0: You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. I am so thrilled that Audible.com is my new sponsor. They'll be sponsoring this whole week and they're giving you all a free 30-day trial of Audible, which includes not only their audiobooks, which they're famous for, but also guided wellness now, podcasts, and so many Audible originals. You have to go check it out. I even have my special URL, which is audible.com slash zibby. How cool is that? So you have to go check it out so that they know that people who are listening are actually listening to this. (laughs) Audible.com slash Zibby. And you can even text Z-I-B-B-Y, all lowercase, Zibby, to 500-500 to get your free trial. So go do it now. Um, I don't know about you. I love listening to audiobooks um, when I'm walking my new dogs, who are my former mother-in-laws, when I'm putting away the laundry and doing all that stuff. Um, I love I Eat Men Like Air by Alice Berman. I listened to Where the Light Enters by Jill Biden to prepare for her episode and Jamie Lee Curtis's Letters from Camp. Um, Anyway, you should definitely go to Audible and go to audible.com slash Zibby and get your free month of fantastic listening. Thank you. I had such a great time getting to know Mickey Daughtry and Rachel Lippincott, who are the number one New York Times bestselling team of Five Feet Apart, which was made into a hit movie. Now they've come back with their second joint novel called All This Time, which was absolutely beautiful and a tearjerker, and I didn't see the twists coming, which always makes me feel like a doofus, but anyway, is fantastic. Mickey is a really well-renowned screenwriter and is actually writing the new Dirty Dancing movie, which is super exciting because, I don't know, I think Dirty Dancing I saw in the theaters like 12 times when it came out, and I'm pretty much obsessed. And Rachel is hard at work on her third novel and used to be... An athlete, and just got married to her wife, and her pictures are on Instagram, and they're beautiful, as we talk about. Anyway, I hope you enjoy our episode. Hi, hi! Great to be talking to you, ladies. Thank you for coming on Mom's No Time to Read Books. Thanks it's for having us, us. I wanted
1: to say I'm sorry about your. I follow you, and I'm sorry about your mother-in-law. You oh, yeah, that I is saw a that shame. As well. I'm so, you, so sorry no, to hear that. Thank you. Yes.
0: It's been a crazy time and I just started doing podcasts again and now I feel like I can at least have my old shred of my personality back and, you know, life goes on type of thing. Not that I don't think about them of all the course. time. Yeah. I'm about them, yeah. But at least I can like put on a happy face and and chat. And yeah. so, thank you. I appreciate you saying something. But on to your book, All This Time. First of yeah. all... So good. Did oh, not see any of the twists and turns coming. I hate when I have to admit that because I feel like every time <laughs> I read no like be prepared, but oh my gosh, what a just, you know, heart rendering story. And I'm so glad I got to read it early.
1: Thank you for reading it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So for people who don't know what all the time is about, can you just tell them a little more about the story and also following your huge success with Five Feet Apart, what it was like sort of embarking on another project?
1: I would say it's, I'm hesitant to say what it's about, you know, why, but it's about love and loss and how we overcome that and the people we find to help us through and how dreams play into that and how the things that we want can become reality. A reality may not be what it seems in the sense that, you know, when we lose something, we're we're caught in this maelstrom of pain and sorrow and guilt sometimes, you know, and and it really sometimes takes a helping hand to get out of that and on occasion that helping him becomes the person you were always meant to be with. So that's really, I think all I can say without Exploing grenading. It. Most of yeah, it.
2: yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah. And I think, I think that was something that really drew me to this story and also five feet apart in a way was just kind of the exploration of grief and kind of like the twists and turns that that journey in particular takes. So yeah, I absolutely love that bit when I, when I read the screenplay from Mickey
1: the way it came about in this sense was five feet apart I don't know it was really a, the the strangest the way that we got the book written because it was exact opposite of what normally happens which mm-hmm. is there's a book and then and then they buy the movie rights and there's a movie but in this case there was a movie that was being made and they were like this would probably make a really good YA <laughs> novel let's reverse engineer it. So that's kind of how that came about. And when Rachel came on board, she adapted the screenplay from Five Feet Apart and we were already filming. So in this case, it all happened. Justin Baldoni, the director of Five Feet Apart, had a friend, Claire Wineland, who had CF. And she told him, you know, I can't ever be with someone with CF, someone who would understand me because we're not allowed to touch each other or even get within six feet of each other. And that really sparked with him an idea for a story. And then I wrote the screenplay for that and Rachel adapted it. And Justin found me through the screenplay I had written this story so that's kind of what happened. So when, when Five Feet Apart was such a success and we were like, what would be a really good sister book to this? What would be a good companion piece kind of thing? Because I really feel like the tone is the same. It's a similar feel. It's a similar, definitely a similar genre, but it's, it's got all the same hallmarks, I think, as Five Feet Apart in the sense, but it, but it's a totally different, but it's like your, it's like your cousin who looks just like you, but is nothing like you. Do You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's Kind of like that. And so this is the script that, that he read of mine that made him want to to hire me to write Five Feet Apart and to come up with that story. So it felt like the perfect companion piece. And so Rachel and I, I was like, hey, you want to do another one? <laughs> like, here's another script <laughs> yeah, here's another script, do you know, do you want to take it in? And the funny thing about this one is, and, and honestly, and it was an adult script. The original piece, my original work was an adult script. It wasn't a YA And it was a pretty easy shift, though, to to rejigger it and to rebreak it, really, to fit a YA format. You know, you just age them down. Their concerns are different. I can tell you a lot about the original. It's heavier. It's much more painful. It's And you can see, Zibi, having read this, where if you age that up and give them a family and give them, you know, where it goes from there and that and it's a handle that <laughs> right and it's and it's a different it's a whole different oh, oh we can't talk about it if it were out I could be like blah, 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 blah. this is everything that happened. but yeah but just that and, and it came from there and, and then I aged it down I went back through the script and said okay let's take some of this drama not the drama but let's take some of this adultness you know, out of it and, and go for what, what, what are important to young people just starting their lives instead of people who are in their lives, you know? So that's kind of how it came about. I, I, I am a chatty chatter, so you have to shut no, me down. Not, <laughs> <when I'm talking. laughs>
0: you know, the thing about this book that really like hit me too, is that I felt like I could relate not only to the main characters, but also the mom. <sighs> Oh my God. I love her. That like ages me somewhat. I'm 44. Not to like, you know, not like I'm ancient, but you know, and I Um, don't. (laughs) I'm right there with you. (laughs) But I felt like her pain and the fact that she had lost her husband and her trying to, I mean, your child's pain is almost worse than your own pain, probably is worse than your own. I mean, actually is i should say mm-hmm. so her watching the pain that Kyle has to go through Kyle's my husband's name too by the way i saw that <laughs> was really that really got me too and the way that she just like you didn't go into it too much you could just see by her actions how she mm-hmm. was feeling and it just mm-hmm. broke my heart it just the whole thing anyway.
1: thanks i really i really wanted there to be a, a family situation that wasn't the you know, oh, I hate my mother. Oh, I hate, you know, because they're so, they're so, that is a reality for a lot of people where they're, you know, constantly in that battle with their mother. But I wasn't, you know, I, there are relationships with teenagers who have really great relationships with their parents. And I kind of wanted to speak to that in this one instead of it being his mother is not his problem. You see what I mean? And I didn't want that to be some kind of situation there where, where we're focused more on, He's fighting with her and he's trying to break away from her. And instead, he's trying to, to. I mean, he's lost his, you know, he's lost what he thinks is the love of his life at the beginning of the book. And I think I can say that it's like on page three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I also
2: think like another element of that that really spoke to me was just like the fact that she is a single mother and they have this really deep connection because, you know, for so long, it's just been kind of the two of them, the two of them in a lot of ways, like against the world, similar to to Will in Five Feet Apart. And I just love that you know, he was suffering so much and you would see her at the door trying to connect to him, trying to find a way to, you know, open the dialogue back up like it like it had used to be. So yeah, I really just love the portrayal of, you know, the single mother, like my mom fighting it out. <laughs> you know, you you guys go through everything together. You, you always have her, you always yeah. have that connection, that person that is always in your court, always like trying to think of your best interests to help heal your heart however they can. So that was really a cool part of the story for me too. So true.
0: By the way, Rachel, I was like, you know, looking at your Instagram and your wedding pictures. are so, cool. <laughs> so I just had to say like
2: those dresses and oh my gosh. I oh know. gosh. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm still like I'm in a state of that,
0: like even research somebody and know the innermost moments, <laughs>
2: <laughs> like the private moments, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was there. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, but definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> I also really liked how Kyle is sort of getting over a football injury. And that it's sort of like, at one point, that's the worst thing he could ever possibly imagine. Mm-hmm.
2: To happen.
0: And then like, yes, in life, what you think is like the worst thing ever suddenly gets put into perspective and something even worse comes along <laughs> you're like, oh gosh, you know, you're like, this is I rock bottom. <laughs> I thought that was a big deal, but I feel like injured athletes, you know, my, actually my husband, Kyle was an athlete as well. I guess he is an athlete, but he was in the professional tennis world for a long time. And he used to play football and all this stuff. And when he stopped, it was like a whole big thing, right? What does an athlete do? Who's not really doing their thing anymore. And I Mm -hmm. think there's not that much. Cause I remember at the time I was like, well, let me find you some articles and let me find you some books. <laughs> like Googling, like, come on, there's so many athletes out there. This happens to. You, there must be a ton of literature. And of course, I'm like more into fiction. But it was just nice to see that here. And I know it's just one injury, but just
1: what but happens it's, it's when your him.
0: dreams stop and your and it involves your Body, and instead yeah. of just your mind. So, tell me a little bit about choosing that.
1: That was part of the aging down, actually, of to turning it into a YA. It's like, well, what what is important? What would be important to this guy? And it's exactly like you said. I wanted to give him something that he thought was his life. He thinks this this is going to be it. This is forever. I've got it planned out. It's it's everything, and he 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 hinges every part of his personality and his worth, kind of, on that. And when that's taken away from him, he turns to his girlfriend and kind of puts all that weight on her and we get to see at the very beginning what that weight has done to them. And it was a big part of the, of the aging it down for YA to give him something that he could, that he thought was his whole world that he could lose in a shattering way and think, oh my God, it's, it's the end. It's over. And we're like, oh, buddy, no. Oh, hun. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a bigger world out there and it gets a lot worse. Yeah. And I think that particular
2: aspect spoke to me on two levels. One was on a very personal level. I was a huge athlete growing up and like my freshman year of high school, I played three varsity sports and it was like my thing. And then I had spinal fusion surgery going into my sophomore year. Cause in my head, I was like, I could heal up. I could play junior year, maybe still get into college. And then, you know, I just had this huge like crisis of conscience where, you know, I just could not play sports. I was healing and I was recovering. And, you know, all of a sudden I wasn't an athlete. My body wasn't necessarily my temple anymore. So I kind of had to look around at my life and see what was still there, what was important to me, what I liked doing when this huge aspect of my personality that was so big (laughs) when I was, you know, 13 14 years old like what what else there still was and another element was back when I was in college I wrote a part of a manuscript that was about a boy who was in a really bad accident and kind of oh you did yeah you know a, that you really
0: yeah you played football <laughs> you didn't you know any of this oh my gosh <laughs> you guys a little you know' We're just surprising <laughs> we everybody to say
1: that yeah we say that that, uh, that things cross over sometimes it's really weird I'm like no definitely that in there no, yeah, I didn't yeah. know that I didn't know you wrote anything like that yeah I started
2: I started writing a manuscript about yeah a boy who was a football player who got into an accident and kind of you know the entire his entire life changed he could no longer play. A oh sport wow, totally. Yeah, stuck so. In your head then. No, like when I read the manuscript, I was like, "Oh, this is like it, but like way better." So, oh. <laughs> so, it was it like panned out. It kind of felt like it was a character that I knew and kind of a scenario that I understood a little bit of. So it was cool.
0: And why did you originally have spinal fusion surgery?
2: Oh, yeah, I had scoliosis. So my spine was just like, not doing the thing it should have been doing. <laughs> so yeah, just straightened it out. I mean, I guess with writing, at least, unless your fingers are, <laughs>
1: you know, yeah. it's so different. Just don't break your fingers. Yeah, just don't yeah. break your fingers. <laughs> break everything else. Just don't break yeah. your
0: fingers. <laughs> so how do you two work? How do you do it? Like how, tell me your process, how how it all how the magic
1: happened. Well, this one is different. I have a, a full-time writing partner, Tobias Iaconis. I always want to call him Iaconis now because my telephone calls him, you know, my phone <laughs> oh, like, yeah. pronounces his name phonetically. But and one of these days I'm going to literally say his name wrong, but it's Tobias Iconus. And we write our screenplays together, not necessarily this one, but we we do a lot of writing together. Rachel and I have worked so far only in the sense that I have given her a fully formed, fully fleshed out screenplay with the dialogue and a lot of the prose. And and so she adapts that. She's adapted that with Five Feet Apart and with this one, she's adapted those stories into the books. So it's it's a little bit of a different process where we don't like, oh, sorry.
0: No, no, no. Like, are you a part of the adaptation or do you just hand it off?
2: She's a part, especially with this one, with all this time. Yeah. Like a huge part. A lot of, I think with Five Feet Apart, it had just gone into production. So I think a lot of that was her reshaping that screenplay. And I would keep getting emails like blue edition or purple edition or pink edition as they started going into production. And I think a lot more of that was like her, you know, sending it to me. And we obviously had long phone calls, especially at the beginning where she was telling me everything in detail. I would ask questions and I could always bounce everything off of her. But yeah, especially with all this time. Yeah, we had a conversation about it a a couple weeks ago, a couple of days ago, actually, just talking about how she felt that I think it was, it was the scenes were just super detailed. It was, it was almost already in book form at yeah. a lot of you
1: know. Oh, I know what you're saying. I was talking, yeah. like, what are you talking about? No, she's, we were talking about when you get a, a production script, it's very lean, you mm-hmm. know, on details. It's mostly dialogue because all of the set design, all that stuff is taken out of it because they've done the work already. And what I gave Rachel for all this time was a very meaty, because I knew it was going to her and not to like into production. I knew it was going to her. So I was able to really give her a beefy, beefy Mm -hmm. script. So it was kind of a quasi script novel-y thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's
2: what, yeah. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah, for sure. yeah, Yeah. But no, yeah, it's definitely, it isn't just like a complete handover it's very much, you know, I've always had Mickey on call. She's looking through everything, commenting,
1: changing, <sighs> revising. <laughs> I know she, Rachel does not get any sleep. Like, oh my God, there she is again.
0: <laughs> and so this book, sorry if I'm like feel a little slow on this. So the, and I'm sorry for the sirens also this book. And you said you already, you started with the screenplay. So is this already in production? Like, are you? In- no, no. Okay.
1: No, Lionsgate has bought the rights to the book and, for the movie. But this started, like I said, from the original screenplay that was the adult right. version. And then I aged it down. And when I aged it down, I kind of like filled in a lot of the the stuff about what it would be. But it was in chunks. I would be writing, you know, the editor, Alexa, would come back and say, maybe there are some scenes that this could happen. So I would write the screenplay scenes and then give them to Rachel and she would adapt them. So it's kind of like how we had our little wheels greased, you know the way we work together, like two little cogs with Alexa cranking it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would get a draft back that would have notes from Alexa, but then I would also get additional scenes from Mickey as well. That would, you know, fill that, that would just be additional parts of the story to fill out certain scenes, certain characters, certain Mm. backstories. Yeah. So it would be both at the same time and then integrating them together into the next draft that I would turn into both of them. Got it. And then, <laughs> so now that
0: I finally have gotten this presence down, so then when it's Five Feet Parts became yeah. a movie,
1: were you a part of that, Mickey? Because you had written that. I was, oh yes, I was on set. And the funniest thing is when it was really close to production when they when they said, Hey, we're gonna Simon Schuster wants to turn this into a book. And so as Rachel was saying, she got a script and then I was on set and I would be like, oh, we're changing this scene right now. I wonder if Rachel has gotten to the scene yet. And I would quickly text her and be like, Rachel, Rachel, have you done this yet? And she's like, I'm working on it right now. And I'm like, stop, we're changing it. You know, so, so, the, you know, we get a lot of comments. They're like, oh my God, the movie is so close to the book. We're like, well, yeah. Because it was literally out of reason. Not like, oh yet. Here are the here's what's happening. And I would like shoot her off some pages. You know. So yeah. Got it.
0: Okay. I think, <laughs> think I have it all
2: straight. <laughs> and I saw that you're already working on a third one. Are you doing that together? Is that Rachel?
1: Nope. One? I'm working oh, on
2: it. Yeah. yeah, I'm working on a third book. I can't talk about it as of yet. But yeah, I'm currently working on it. I'm in a, my second draft of it. So I'm deep in the edits. Deadline is coming up. But yeah, that one's just a solo one and Mickey's also working. I'm back in movie world. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Many a thing. What are you working on in the movie world?
1: Dirty dancing. Yeah. With the. Sequel with Jennifer Gray, and it's I can't say anything obviously about it, but yeah, that's really exciting. And then Tobias and I have a movie, a children's horror movie at Netflix that's going into production in about a month. They're setting up in Ken in Toronto right now, building the sets and hiring everyone. And so that'll go in, hopefully, you never know what's going to happen, but hopefully, that keeps trucking along. Yeah, so so I shifted seamlessly right back into my movie, you know, movie writing, screenwriting. I'm like, what is that worth? (laughs) (laughs) What's that thing that I do? Yeah. (laughs) Screenwriting. So yeah, maybe another novel for me at some point that I write, but I, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm right now I'm firmly entrenched in making movies. So neat. So did you already
0: finish writing Dirty Dancing too? Are you
1: working on the second draft right now?
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Wow. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. So (laughs) yeah. I don't think it's any secret that we're writing. So we're writing.
0: No, I mean, they announced it was going to be a movie. Yeah. So, I mean, someone has to write it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, I'm sure yeah. it's probably linked to you somewhere. But yeah. yeah, I actually, Jennifer Grey has become a friend of Kyle's and mine.
1: Oh, she's I've amazing. I met her
0: through another friend and then we've all like gotten together and in LA. Anyway, so this is like so great. So I'm going to have to find, you know, not close friend, obviously, but yeah, I'm going to have to find a way to barge myself onto that. <gasps>
1: Oh my god I've Never really been on it before do it do it do it do, it, do it. it it'll be it'll be a little bit worse yeah it'll be I'm not sure when they're planning on shooting but we er, there's a ton still to do but yes you should you should get if, your ticket if people now
0: ever are out and about and on sets again and you know yes not-
1: that happens I know well they're they're doing it it's really the i don't know how much you know about it but like in Toronto, and rightfully so, they're being very, very careful, but, like, they fly you in, they're not letting many people in, you know, and you have to stay in strict quarantine for two weeks, like, if you're in a hotel, you can't come out of your hotel room, and the police come by every day to check if you're still there, this is what I've heard, and I know that it's true, because I have, because they're working on nightbooks up there, so, and if you're caught out, at all, it's a $750,000 fine per <gasps> incident. What? Per incident. So, don't fuck around. <laughs> like, like, mm. So, they're not, Canada's not, not playing. But they're filming. one hundred and fifty thousand. dollars Ooh, I'm sorry. Per incident. Per oh, my, incident. my gosh.
0: Incident. Gosh. So, I. Like, made that up. And they're sitting there. How much should we make said,
1: it? <laughs> Let's, Let's make it pro- prohibitive. Don't you dare walk out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like if you walk out of your room to get a soda in those two weeks. Yes. But then, but then, once your two week quarantine is up, and this is like I said, this is what I've heard from them setting up for night books. When your two week quarantine is up, you're out, you're out and about. You're part of the community. You wear your mask, but you know there's no more. It's 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 more lenient. You just you know you go go about work and your life and stuff.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Well, good
1: luck with that. <laughs> I'm not going. We're staying that's home nice. for this one. We're home. skipping this one. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Normally we would we would go, but it was it's very prohibitive when we're working on this other, you know, we're working on Dirty Dancing and we don't want to, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of restrictions to, to not be able to move freely and do the work that we need to do otherwise.
0: What kind of books
1: do you two like to read in your spare time? Oh no, I'm totally a reader. I love
0: <laughs> make any assumptions, you
1: know. <laughs> I'm a writer who doesn't read. I I'm sure they're they are there. I love British novels. I find that I really tend to lean toward Australian. Like I love Leon Moriarty. Like she's so much fun. Anything she writes, I'm, I'm in it for a fun little romp. And then I love Kazuo Ishiguro. Like, he's Mm -hmm. probably my favorite. And Julian Barnes, like, those two British guys? I can't. I can't even. And everything is so, it feels so small, but it's so huge. And the fact that they are able to have such an impact was so in such a, a realistically grounded world that they write about. And, and it's like you're there, like remains of the day. I mean, it'll just stop, you know? And I love Gabriel Garcia Marquez, obviously, 100 Years of Solitude. How are you a writer and not like married to that book? You know, I mean, that's just, that's just the epic masterpiece of all time. You know, I, those are the kind of things I read when I read. And then I read a lot of 1930s and 40s novels like I find because it's really fun because it's of the time. Right. So you're reading about like The World's Illusion is a really good one. It, it's very political, but I really love it. And, you know, set in the times of war, you know industry workers and how they were treated. But it's it's a it's a narrative. So it's really, really stuff like that. I'm kind of a weirdo. I kind of live in, in the past for sure. No, definitely. Yeah, I read all different kinds
2: of things. I'm a huge fan of Nina LaCour. She's probably my favorite YA author. I talk about her a lot. Her book, We Are Okay, is absolutely my favorite. I really love it. A lot of times there's a conversation between like plot-based and character-based stories, and I just love that. It's essentially just a book of a girl like alone in her room drinking tea and like reflecting on life and grief and all these other things. It's a very quiet book, but so much happens. She's just so talented at saying like exactly what needs to be said and nothing more and nothing less. And I just love that. Oh man, other books that I really love. I love Laura Taylor Namy's book coming out later this year, A Cuban Girl's Guide to Tea and Tomorrow. Absolutely fell in love with that. It's wonderful. And it's also set in the UK, in Britain. So <laughs> it's a really great read. Ooh, I'm also a huge fan of mysteries. My favorite is Agatha Christie speaking on, you, you like turned my brain on the, on the British thing. So I'm yeah, going yeah. to keep going on it. But I really love the Miss Marple mysteries. That's like classic feel good read, especially during like the craziness of the past few months. I've been tucking into a couple of my favorite one of those. And I also really love the BBC Episodes that they did on them, so yeah, Those are probably. And my what
0: favorite. advice would you guys have for aspiring authors or screenwriters?
1: You know, that's the question, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Work your ass off. Yeah. <laughs> don't expect any favors. If you get a favor, be grateful. And and I always say this: once you start, once you start getting there, please don't buy your own hype. You know, because it, it's easy, I think, to think that you did it by yourself and to think that it's all you and you're so important. You're so vital. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but a lot of cooks go into the kitchen. I mean, a lot of cooks are in the kitchen and a lot of really, a lot of the flavor, whether I can only speak for myself, I hate saying that, you know, ubiquitous you, but I can speak for myself that at the end of the day, I've done the work, but it's everybody around me and their opinions that I trust and respect and love. And, the, you know, they're all in there. Everybody, the stew is better with a lot of flavor, if that makes sense. You know, so I take everybody's salt and pepper and I throw it in there. I'm like, let's see what happens. You know, but I, I definitely would, would say, and I say this, you know, pretty much every time i ask, asked, is you, you may, if you're doing it alone, Don't be afraid to reach out and and let people help you. Even a bad note is a good note in a way because it's it's going to expose something that may be missing and, and they may not be telling you in the right way. This is not not exactly, but we, it's something that we call in the business a note, the note behind the note, you know, which is, I really wish he did this here. Well, that's not really the issue. The issue is something's missing in that moment that makes them wish for something different. And, and that's what you have to get to. But without that bad note, you wouldn't look at it yourself and say, oh, there's a hole here, you know, rambling again. I write much better than I speak. Just let me say. That was like
2: perfect. I feel like I shouldn't even go now after that, honestly. <laughs> oh, well what man. do you have for
1: new and uh, what do you have for new new and up and coming writers? because that's kind of where we're different is I'm kind of mm-hmm. in my thing, and you're you're just you know no, getting, definitely getting in
2: yeah, that's a really good question. I think something that was really big was just kind of you aspire to be a writer, you always dream of it. you know, I think it was really hard for me to prioritize especially, you know, when you don't have a book deal or you don't have, you know, a screenplay that's been optioned by a film or something. I think it's really hard to like find time and like give yourself the time to devote yourself to this passion and devote yourself to sitting down and putting words on the page. And I think it's so important that you carve out that time and that space. If this is what you love to do, really just, you know, let yourself, have the freedom to write and let yourself have the freedom to put things on a page and explore the stories that you really want to tell. I think that was always really hard, especially when I was starting out, you know, just really giving myself the time and what I love doing, the opportunity to really,
1: to really work, you know. I can speak to that where what you're saying Rachel just a bit for screenwriters is you know I find a, if you're if you're just coming up and you're trying to like like Rachel said find the time and find the motivation to stick with it find a screenwriting group I was in a screenwriting group Twin Bridges and it was everything to be held accountable for pages and we go in and we read our pages and we read each other's work and we're commenting and critiquing and helping and giving notes and and learning very much about the craft you know from uh, Joe Bratcher ran the class Joe and Judy his wife and they taught at UCLA so it was very very integral part of my getting started professionally was to have the motivation and the responsibility of showing up with the pages I said I would show up with. And then and then learning. And that's kind of where I got, I think, you know, that whole it takes a village kind of thing because everybody piles on and tells you what they think and, and you're like fielding ideas. But, you know, do it. For screenwriters, that would be, I would say, if you are looking for something to hold your feet to the fire, get yourself in a writing group. I would agree totally 100% with that. And then I think also, you know, you have this space
2: or forming a writing group is really important because then you not only have somebody to bounce your ideas off of and grow from, but you also have this accountability kind of like mm-hmm. what you just talked about where, you know, if you like show up for one of your weekly get togethers and you don't have anything on the page? You're going to look a little foolish. You're the asshole. <laughs> you're the yeah, asshole for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, that's really sound advice. Wow. Amazing.
0: Well, thank you ladies so much. I <gasps>
1: thank you, Sibby.
0: Um, tell your next book and Mickey your next movie <laughs> and all <that. laughs> I know. I embarrassingly have not watched Five Feet Apart, and I. <gasps> oh, really
1: to do you that should. I, Something I, to
2: do today. No, just kidding.
0: <laughs> I'm so excited. You
1: should. Uh, Kyle and I are going to do. That's my plan. So I'll just call him and let him know. So. <laughs> uh, uh, I should have well, done it before we talked. But well, you're fine. No, I have this was, no. Well, we weren't talking about that one. So this yeah. one. This one was more important today. <laughs>
0: It's so good and I'm so excited for you guys all this time.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. All
0: right. It was great. Thank thank you you so
1: much for having us on. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much.
0: Bye Bye. Bye. Thanks again so much to Audible for being my sponsor. You can go to my site at audible.com slash Zibby for your free trial month of Audible. You get all their audiobooks and podcasts and uh, guided meditations and Audible originals and just so much. So go check it out, please, please, please. Audible.com slash Zibby. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.